Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Thank you for joining us for our guided liturgy podcast. Our prayer for you is that as you join with us in the liturgy, that you would encounter Christ, that you would be awakened to the beauty around you, within you, flowing through you out into this world. We're happy to have you with us. Bloom, let's join together now with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day together. Grant Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please join me for the prayers. We pray to God, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, creator, and renew the earth. Come and walk this cracked and dry land with us, renewing it with life and love. Bring springs of water where once there was only sand. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, Counselor, and touch our lips that we may proclaim your word. Teach us when to shout for justice, when to speak truth to each other, and when to be silent and listen. Holy Spirit, come among us. Come, Holy Spirit, power from on high. Make us channels of peace and ministers of healing. And let us begin that good work by inviting your peace and healing into our own lives. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God. Give life to the dry bones around us and make us a living people, holy and free. Free us to believe that we are who you have declared, your children, yours always. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, wisdom and truth. Strengthen us to be bold in faith. Make us strong to stand and protect us from our own fears and the fiery arrows that may come. Holy Spirit, come come upon us. Sovereign over all the universe 
just that our sufferings can compare to the glory you've prepared us. Seeds in earth and soil hidden still are growing up to break through. Hear a reading from Psalm 85. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying, for he is speaking peace to his faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to him. Truly his salvation is very near to those who fear him, 
that his glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and peace shall be a pathway for his feet. Glory Glory to to the the Father, and to to the the Son, and to to the the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as as it was was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. forever. Amen. The lectionary fast-forwards us to the scene of Stephen's death, his martyrdom. He was stoned to death by the religious leaders, by the council. And um, it doesn't really leave us with an explanation as to why this happened. So before we read the account of Stephen's death, I'd like to just get us up to speed on what has happened. With the growth of the church, there was a need to appoint more leaders into the church. And so under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the apostles selected and raised up Stephen and Philip to serve as the restoration arm of the church, in a sense, to take care of the widows and orphans, to make sure that among them there was no one in need. That was the role of of Stephen. And Stephen was described as a man being full of faith in the Holy Spirit, which is to say that he had this boldness about him. He was seeing uh, people healed. He was seeing the works of Christ, the way of Christ being made manifest through his life. And he was also full of faith. His life exhibited a dependence on Christ, a yearning for the Holy Spirit, and a needing to be open as he possibly can to the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. And when he was selected to fulfill this position in the church, what the scripture says is that what Luke says in this account is that everyone agreed. So it was this leader that was both bold and sensitive, uh, that was both manifesting uh, the, the miraculous power of Christ and also knew his need for the Holy Spirit uh, to be filled, to be evermore drawn into the reality of Christ within him and among the church and moving through them. And so it's through this life that he's living that he draws attention to himself. And he's eventually pulled in front of the high council by a group of Jewish leaders. And, and he was accused of blasphemy against the temple and against the law. And those are the two things that the religious leaders of the day held as most important. The temple being the physical place where they believed God's presence to dwell. And the law being the embodiment of their way of life as religious people. What Stephen was actually doing was following the way and the words of Jesus, who said that he himself was the temple and that the body of Christ would then be the temple in the day of the church, and who also said that he has come to fulfill the law. So for Stephen, the temple and the law were made complete and fulfilled in Christ, and that was his reality. But to the religious leaders, it was blasphemy because he was coming against the two pillars of their faith, of their power, of their common life. And so he's brought before the council. And when asked to defend himself 
he goes through the entire history of the Jewish people. And he goes from Abraham to Moses to David. And he talks about how God's dwelling place has never been a physical location, but has always been among people. And so he takes this idea of the temple and he sort of dismantles it before them. And then he takes the law and he turns the accusation that's directed at him back on his accusers. And he calls them stiff-necked people who persecute and kill those who are calling them back to the heart of God, their creator. But they put the physical location and they put the letter of the law above the presence of God and above the heart of God. And so, of course, they're infuriated when Stephen makes this accusation to them. And their hearts turn murderous. And then we read the account that follows. Here a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stephen, at this moment, became the first martyr of the church. And he was killed by this group of people who you can just sense their power is being taken away because he's dismantling the religious structure that they've built to keep them at the top and in control of people, the temple and the law. And it's really nothing new because Jesus was doing this his entire ministry. He was constantly coming against the people saying the dwelling place of God is not in a physical location, but in the open hearts of the people who believe, who follow. Later, Jesus says to his disciples that that God will dwell within them by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see happening in the church, which perhaps is why these leaders are so infuriated. And he's pointing out to them, if you read in Acts chapter 7, you can read Stephen's whole defense. And he's pointing out that, that all throughout history, God's people have hung on to ritual and to law over embracing the heart of the Creator. And when the prophets came, they stoned them. And when Christ came, was incarnate in the man Jesus, they killed him. And now when Christ is incarnate in the church, they're doing the same thing. You start to see that this is the pattern of humanity, that the divine breaks in and tries to rouse us to life. And so many times the response of humanity is the rejection of the divine and that beauty, because that beauty and that grace that is Christ has a tendency to knock down every structure that man would build in the name of God. And to some, it's too much. I know y'all have, there's so much to say about this, so jump in. Is Saul Paul? Yeah, and what's interesting is this moment, when you talk about Paul, this moment changed his life. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's what I was thinking. When I was yeah, there. isn't this the catalyst for his like kind of change other than uh, the obvious like Jesus actually Worse. speaking to him and <laughs> yeah. blinding him? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Christ is opening his eyes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, he's opening his eyes. Then he shuts his eyes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm trying not to like manifest parallels between what's happening to Stephen with what's happening like just in the world right now in America of like he's trying to bring good things and good news and there are people that are just against it and just like even though there's really no reason to be I'm trying not to to get all salty about about it (laughs) maybe maybe later (laughs) yeah but yeah it's just so frustrating to see good people who love Jesus just end up and end up like he did. People are always a lot more willing to throw stones than they are to actually listen and try and change or try and have their minds changed. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. I mean, it's sad, but also like it doesn't stop what Christ is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe what we need to hear right now. Yeah, yeah. Is that it feels like everyone's trying to kill the beauty of what Christ is doing through restoration. Mm-hmm. But them killing Stephen and thinking that they're going to end what Christ is doing actually sets things on fire. Yeah. So all is not lost. (laughs) Although it feels that way. Is Stephen the only one who gets a vision before he's martyred? It's just interesting. He's the first martyr and there's like such peace Mm -hmm. given to him in that process. So much peace that even at the end he's like, don't even hold this against them. And he's being stoned. But that's got to be one of the yeah. more horrible ways to mm. die. Yeah, to, f- to be in a place where you're physically feeling the hate uh-huh. that's directed at you from another human being over and over has got to be, yeah, the most dehumanizing way to exit this life. Mm. But it is so beautiful at the same time that when the scripture says that Christ is embodied in the church, when we talk about the body of Christ being the church now, it's just, it's almost incomprehensible. But the same spirit in which Jesus died, the same approach and and holding of his own death, we see that same spirit in Stephen. Yeah. I mean, their last words are almost the same. Mm. Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. Stephen, Forgive them. Do not hold this against them. Yeah, yeah. And there's this like, there is this beauty in that death, even though it's at the hands of people who hate them. Mm-hmm. But there's this, there's this supernatural focus on the bigger, you know, on, on mm-hmm. what, on, yeah. on the whole of, of, of things. And, and inside of that, on the condition of every person's heart on the scene, even though they're against them, both Jesus and Stephen are speaking forgiveness and grace. I mean, it's like, it's almost like they're held and embodied by something far greater than they are. Mm, Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. which that's the mystery of what we believe. There's even something, I might be stretching it here, but I think the piece that Stephen is given right before he dies is, you were right. Uh, You're right. Jesus is who he said he was. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in this place of honor. Mm. Yeah. You know, similar, I, I just feel like this like elevated sense of God being proud of Jesus when that whole, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a right, 
no, I don't know. There's just a truth being spoken in this moment that I think is like incredibly beautiful that would just put me, I mean, I remember hearing this as a child and I mean, I just don't like violence. I never have, even though I'm loving John Wick movies right now. (laughs) So the irony is there, but biblical violence in particular, because there's, it was always the cost of following Christ or that's Mm -hmm. how it's always shown. Um, But even as a child, I recognized the peace that that would have brought Stephen yeah. Even being stoned, that Jesus is like, I, I am at the right hand of God. You were right. This, you've taken the right path. Yeah. And in exchange, peace. Like so much peace that he's like, all right, don't hold this against them. As mm-hmm. he's being, like large items are being thrown at his head, you know? Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, I actually do. I love what you're saying. Because it almost, it brings back images of the father speaking over Jesus at the baptism. Yeah. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. And you almost, yeah, you almost see the same sense with Jesus standing up. Yeah. You know, the, the complete pleasure of, of Christ being showered on Stephen. Yeah. Which is to say that there's no place in which we venture out with Christ where we are alone. Mm-hmm. We talked about suffering last week. And, um, you know, that suffering's not to be pursued, it's not to be denied, but it just is, suffering is embodied in the way of Christ, mm-hmm. in our journey with Christ, it's present, it's like, it's the road in which we walk, and certainly Stephen is, is experiencing that closeness with Christ in suffering, but there's also this way that the kingdom of God expands and, um, and is made manifest and breaks through barriers through suffering, because we talked about earlier that that Saul is there. Mm-hmm. And so we see, like we see in that, that the story isn't, fin- it wasn't finished when Jesus was crucified. We see then Christ living through the church. And it's certainly not finished when Stephen is stoned to death. And we see that there's this man standing there watching it, who then becomes one of the most influential leaders in the church. So you have this sense that that it is held all by Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a broadening for me. It's like mm. that kind of cheesy way of saying like it's a tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> but it really mm. is like so much bigger than like Stephen being the first martyr or being stoned. It's like part of a story that Christ is still writing today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though we have our own martyrs and we have our own people who are stoning. Yeah. But there are things that like Christ is still active. Like it doesn't ever kill what Christ is doing. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't take away from the pain or the suffering. <laughs> right, like right. it doesn't, it's not, it's not us saying like, you know, because that happens and well, you know, it was good that he suffered. And like, <laughs> right, right. No, it's, it's all of it. It's, it's horrible and it's beautiful and it's all tangled up in this one thing called the kingdom, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And man, it's so, it's so hard to like think rightly about suffering and about persecution but we just see like the beauty of this moment for some reason even as a kid like yeah I could see that this was beautiful Mm -hmm. in some way I didn't get it and I still don't probably get it but you can see that like there's something really beautiful in Stephen's Christ likeness Mm -hmm. and like he is such a good example for us of what it means to be like Christ Mm -hmm. well it also kind of reminds me that like Jesus says many times, like, those who have ears to hear, hear Mm -hmm. this. 
and that's the whole piece with like persecution. Like, how do you know what's suffering and persecution? But it's like, Mm -hmm. even in this time, it would have been confusing except for those who had ears to hear Mm -hmm. or eyes to see what, what Christ was doing in that time. So I do think it like does kind of translate to now. It's like, do we have the ears to hear the eyes to see Mm -hmm. that this is part of a bigger story and what our role is? I mean, I don't know, but it's just bigger than I thought. I love that you said that because when you have, because I was thinking as you, as you were talking that if you have eyes to see and ears to hear what, what you're seeing is the eternal and what you're hearing is the eternal. You Mm -hmm. have this connection to the eternal and that's what we see in Stephen. Yeah. He's literally seeing into the realm of the eternal in the middle of massive suffering in the tangible, in the physical realm. You know, I've always kind of like fought against this um, pushing of the eternal perspective. Well, one day in heaven, it'll be better. I think I've pushed against that because um, in, in my in my Enneagram 8, <laughs> it, I, I feel like if we push that perspective too much, then we forget about justice. Mm, right. We forget about the now, you know, to just say, well, one day it'll be better. One day we'll be in heaven. You know, like I think about heavenly things, not earthly things. Well, there's really... Um, catastrophic earthly mm-hmm. things that are happening that we're called to heal and restore as yeah. the church, you know, That's right. but I'm wrong in that. I mean, as you're talking, and this is something I've been thinking about in the last several weeks uh, through um, hopefully the move towards justice and reconciliation that we're experiencing in our country. But you see this in Stephen, that the connection to the eternal doesn't diminish our connection to the tangible, but rather it informs it and it, mm. it fills it with faith and boldness, yeah. which is what they said about him. Yeah. He was, he was full of faith in the Holy spirit. So there's this, like, it's not either or in the kingdom. It's when we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we're connected to the eternal in a way that, that informs and empowers our life in the, in the tangible. What I'm pondering now is suffering's role in that. It seems like through the story of the early church and the history of the church, this suffering has this way of heightening our awareness, mm-hmm. of increasing our ability to hear and to see the eternal, and increasing our ability to walk through the hard things of this world, and almost to see the eternal mingle with the, with the tangible. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking through these... through. The, through the martyrs of the church, I'm thinking about Stephen, and it's really just, to me, it's inspiring. I know that that's such an arrogant thing to say over the death of someone else. Like, that's really inspiring. But there's <laughs> something about it that's drawing me into going, I want, mm-hmm. it's a different view of suffering. It's yeah. like, if suffering gives me that heightened view of, of the eternal and that, that more rooted presence in the, in the temporal, mm-hmm. I, I want that. Yeah. I think it's an awareness. Like, it's just being aware of the fact that we are not of this world, that we do have the full restoration of all things to look forward to, mm. and yet we are in this world, yeah. and there is there are things that need to be restored. 
And we have a role in that. It reminds me of that James Baldwin quote, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And like, I just think that's really beautiful. And I feel like that's, that's like a really good, like kingdom perspective. Mm -hmm. And and I'm pretty positive that wasn't what his thinking was when he wrote that. But if we can raise our awareness of the things that are around us, like the people that are suffering and the ways in which suffering informs us, and we also see that the kingdom is here, it's coming, it's near as Jesus said a lot, then like, I feel like that's a really good perspective to have. And I think Stephen was that. He was like, mm-hmm. he, he, he had like a foot in the kingdom and a foot in the, mm-hmm. the world and was doing God's work in that. And he was aw- totally aware of it. I think that's why he had so much peace when he died because he knew that yeah. everything that he was doing was exactly what God was calling him to do and telling him to do, you know. It's really beautiful and sad at the same time. This is such a hard story for us as Americans. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like, even when we're talking about rocks, I'm pretty sure that we're talking metaphorically. Yeah. Or just imagining it. I mean, yeah. we don't yeah. we don't encounter. Yeah, no. you're right. No. This, um, there are certainly those that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what struck me reading this verse is what a complete failure it was. Mm. Like, what a failed speech, what a failed life, what a failed mission. If you were donating to Stephen's ministry, you didn't see any return on your investment. I mean, he didn't win. And we hear that word so much in our country these days, win. And he totally, it was a failure, but it wasn't. And that's the thing. It's in the eternal realm with the eternal perspective Christ who holds it all, it, mm-hmm. it's all held. And this is a small word to use, but it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it furthers the cause of justice and restoration in the earth. Mm-hmm. As someone who possesses an American evangelical brain, that is very hard yes. to see and to reconcile yes. yeah. that this is a failure. He didn't win. Mm-hmm. He wasn't strong. He didn't overcome, mm-hmm. but in the upside down reality of the kingdom, mm-hmm. it's all beautiful. And it's hard to say that, mm-hmm. but it's all beautiful. It's all held. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a unity in it. Stephen has been made one with Christ yeah, who right. suffers yeah. all things and who raises all things. And he's been made one with the church, with the body of Christ and and so we see this, like, we see the body of Christ move forward. And I just want to add one thing for, like, the suffering piece that I was kind of struck by when you were talking. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, in the moment of Stephen's greatest suffering, Jesus is seeing him. He's seen yeah, by yeah. Christ in that deepest moment. And I feel like everyone listening to this needs to maybe hear that a little bit regardless if we know what real suffering is or not, but that we're seen in those hardest moments. Yeah, so I just wanted to add that. <laughs> no, so good. So can the church be the full manifestation of the body of Christ without suffering? I mean, I think if we have a right view 
of what is persecution in the church and what is suffering in the church. I mean, everybody's, everyone understands suffering on some level. There are a lot of people that recognize it on a much deeper level. Correct. And I think maybe part of the church's role is to recognize that there is suffering all around us. And even if we are not experiencing it, that it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, that's a really interesting question. I don't, because, just because I grew up, I've grown up in a church tradition that isn't persecuted or isn't, you know, mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of suffering other than like, you know, the day to day, what, what everybody kind of experiences on different levels. But, but I know that there are people of color who have experienced a lot of suffering mm-hmm. and there are marginalized groups that, of Christians that have experienced a lot of suffering. And they would say, of course, I'm sure. Of course, suffering and Christ go hand in hand. Yeah. But it hasn't been true necessarily of my life, but I know that it's there for sure. It was and has been the experience of the church that in those broken, hard places, that that is where the gospel is lived and preached. Mm-hmm. Watchman Nee, in his book on the breaking of the outer man, talks about the human as as like pottery, and the spirit's work is to is to break us, to crack us, so that through those cracks shines the light of Christ, comes yeah. forth the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that was a beautiful image because it's what we see in the life of Jesus, and we're so poisoned by privilege and by comfort. The American church is more like the Sadducees Mm -hmm. who made friends with the government. I thought about the life of John Lewis, as as many of us did last week during his memorial, and how when he was advancing the cause of Christ, that every person would be honored and valued as bearing the image of God, specifically black Americans who weren't allowed to participate in democracy at the time. And he walked in knowingly, really with no guarantee that he would live through it, into being beaten. And his account of that experience is, is, that, is that he most certainly wasn't alone, that Christ was most certainly with him. And it's through that you see the same thing. You see that the advancement of the restoration and the healing and the life and the peace of Christ comes forth through suffering. That's, that to me is such a beautiful and hard, you're right, mm-hmm. testimony to, to a human who's, whose eyes and ears were open to the realm of the eternal, but who was rooted in the now, in the present, and who walked a road of suffering with Christ. Suffering is not being not allowed to meet in your church building without masks. Lord help us. It's just when, when the American evangelical church, the white American evangelical church slaps the label of suffering Mm -hmm. on inconveniences and on violated privileges, Mm -hmm. we do a massive dishonor to those who walk with Christ, both now and in the history of the church who have walked with Christ that road of suffering. Well, Bloom, it feels like this has been another episode of uh, us talking about things of which we do not understand. (laughs) 
And, um, you know, there's grace in, in all of it because uh, we are like the early church. We're trying to be who we are as the body of Christ and as the incarnation of Christ in this world. And, uh, and we're learning what it means to walk with Christ through all things. And we're learning what it looks like to walk with Christ through suffering. That's something that many of us have not fully embraced. But it may be something that Christ is calling us to nonetheless, because what we see is that the kingdom of God and love and grace and the healing of Christ is released in those places of suffering. We see in the stories we see so many times in the history of the church that the presence, the supernatural presence of Christ is with the sufferer. So may Christ be with you in your suffering, in your pain, in your crying out for justice, for redemption. And may we be people who embrace all that Christ has for us, for our city, for our world. In all things, we are never, ever alone. Grace and peace to you, Bloom. The Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of God. Love as Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice. So let us confess our sin to God who forgives us in Christ. In a dark and disfigured world, we have not held out the light of life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. In a hungry and despairing world, we have failed to share our bread. Christ, have mercy. Christ, Christ have, have mercy. In a cold and loveless world, we have kept the love of God to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all of our days. Gathering our prayers and our praises into one, let us pray as Christ our Savior has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Bloom, may God who gives patience and encouragement give you a spirit of unity to live in harmony as you follow Jesus Christ so that with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain in you always. Go in peace to love and to serve Jesus.